So I feel like it's been months since we talked about the coronavirus pandemic exclusively here on Not In The Mood, and that's what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, more importantly, today is a significant day in the fight to end the coronavirus pandemic in that we've got one of the drug makers uh, vying to distribute a vaccine. We've got Pfizer uh, applying for emergency authorization from the FDA today to begin distributing this vaccine. And I feel like we should probably just revisit it. Here we are now at least nine or ten months into the pandemic here on the U.S. Uh, personally, I have been affected by it. My sister, who is an activities director at a retirement uh, home here in Central Florida, she contracted COVID-19 and was sick for about two weeks. Uh, for some reason, she didn't get remdesivir or any of the other uh, treatments that they've got. She just kind of stayed at home and wrote it out. She actually said it was the sickest she had been in her entire life. And she said there were at least two nights where she felt like if she had gone to sleep, she wouldn't wake back up. So while I may have been somewhat dismissive of the media's coverage of the pandemic uh, back in February and March and April, uh, obviously we now see the scope of this thing and it's pretty significant. Uh, that being said, if you're in reasonably good health and you don't have underlying factors, there's a very good chance should you contract the virus, you're going to recover just like my sister did. However, there are a lot of people who don't have that working for them and they need a vaccine. And that's what the drug makers have been working on now for uh, 10 or 11 months. It's called Operation Warp Speed. Of course, the White House initiated all this, uh, calling together drug manufacturers and different partners from the pharmaceutical and medical industries to uh, essentially uh, put this thing on a fast track to get it out to folks. And here we are uh, less than a year later, and we've got Pfizer uh, on the cusp of having its vaccine ready for folks. We've got Moderna, uh, another large pharmaceutical manufacturer, uh, producing theirs and and should uh, also ask for authorization from the FDA to, to begin distributing their vaccine. But none of this is going to work unless it gets to folks out there. So our expert for this week is Chip Davis. He's the president and CEO of Healthcare Distribution Alliance. Uh, they are one of the major players nationwide uh, in terms of coordinating the logistics of getting these vaccines out to the folks who need it. So uh, to start our conversation with Chip Davis, uh, I just basically asked him, you know, uh, they've been developing this vaccine at breakneck speed. How in the heck did we get here in such a brief amount of time? Sure, Dow. It's good to be with you today. I appreciate the time. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think it truly is unprecedented and transformational to see the, 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 the speed with which Operation Warp Speed um, and the commitment really both from the public sector uh, led by the federal government, but also including state and local governments, and the private sector and the healthcare ecosystem, and in particular the pharmaceutical supply chain, starting with pharmaceutical manufacturers like Pfizer, as you referenced, their advisory committee meeting is, is literally today at the FDA, Moderna's next week. Our members, uh, pharmaceutical wholesale distributors, who will play an essential role in, in ensuring that vaccines translate into vaccinations, which is obviously what we all need and care about. And then ultimately, um, as we all know, the, the heroes of COVID-19, which are the frontline healthcare providers. Um, warp speed would not have been possible, I would submit, without the unconditional commitment uh, from all of those entities. Uh, but at the same time, I think while it has been incredibly um, amazing to see the speed with which things have developed, it's really important to reinforce the fact that as you continue to hear from everybody involved, that uh, while speed is important, um, safety and efficacy will always be paramount. And, and I think 
you know, we have not had to trade off safety and efficacy, it appears, for uh, ex- expediency in this environment. And I think that's something that should give uh, the American public great confidence. Now, obviously, we've got different players in this field uh, with Pfizer and Moderna and, and their partners and that sort of thing. But uh, in layman's terms, how will this COVID-19 vaccine work? Uh, great question, Daryl. I think what, what the most important thing to remember is that the, the science was built off of a foundation that has been in place and been studied for the better part of a decade. So I think um, whether it's from an administration point of view, your question, obviously, there's certain aspects of the annual flu vaccine process that can be looked to, recognizing that this presents in a very different way. But I think the network of relationships that our members have established, both with front-end uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers, over 1,400 of them, as well as over 180,000 uh, healthcare providers, uh, our members often serve as the backbone between that manufacturing community and the provider community. And what they do in that regard is they bring they bring to the table a level of logistics expertise that is unprecedented in the healthcare ecosystem and certainly within the pharmaceutical supply chain. So it's that it's that aspect of the relationships that are pre-existing with manufacturers who we talk to literally on a daily basis, meeting our members, and ensuring that the continuing channel of working relationships with the providers, whether those be hospital systems, other types of healthcare systems, physician offices, chain pharmacies, independent community pharmacies, long-term care settings, these are the places where our, our, our distributors have relationships literally on a daily basis. Over 90% of distributors need product on, over, on average five-plus days per week. So there's already an infrastructure built that can be leveraged to ensure that vaccines, once approved, are moved through the supply chain as expeditiously as possible and get in the hands of those providers so that they can begin to be turned into the vaccinations that we all need. And here in Florida, we now know the details of the distribution plan here. Uh, they're going to start off with 180,000 doses with uh, those going to five different hospitals in the state. Another 80 doses are going to go to CVS and Walgreens specifically for nursing home residents. Uh, when we're talking about the logistics of distribu- distributing and, and administering this vaccination, uh, when we're talking about you know, those who need it first are our, our, our frontline workers, our health care providers, our folks in these senior care facilities and the most vulnerable. Uh, how do we go from getting the, you know, getting the 80,000 or so to the various players to actually getting the needles in folks' arms and getting this thing out? Sure. I think what's, what's actually critical, and, and, and one of the things, Carol, that we did several months ago as HBA is we released a series of principles uh, to ensure appropriate vaccine distribution. And to your question, um, there was one area that in particular becomes critically important, which is to ensure that the level of communication uh, between the federal government uh, through warp speed and the state public health departments, where as you referenced, each state has a plan. Florida obviously has its own plan that they submitted to the Centers of Disease Control last month. And I think making sure that as both more vaccines hopefully get approved and that there are more doses of those that do get approved coming online, that those that channel of communication, uh, two-way communication stays open. In addition to that, I think it's continuing to leverage the public-private sector partnership that really has defined Operation Warp Speed um, uh, and make sure that that continues moving forward. There was an event uh, the other day not far from here in Washington on Operation Warp Speed and 
and the co-chair of Operation Warp Speed, General Perna, talked about the decisions that were made early on to leverage um, the private sector and the expertise of the private sector when in the early stages of determining how they were going to go about distributing the vaccine, as opposed to, say, for example, creating an alternative distribution channel. And I would say with the benefit of hindsight, that was one of the most important decisions in terms of ensuring effective and efficient administration of vaccines as they become available uh, that the federal government has made. And with the exception of the sense of urgency uh, to get this thing done expeditiously, talk to me about the difference in uh, distributing and administering this COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, and, and, you know, you compared it to the flu vaccine earlier, and I think that's kind of what most people, the conclusion or the uh, correlation, I should say, most people draw is that this is very similar to the to the flu vaccine. But obviously, like I said, there's an entirely different sense of urgency to this operation. Yes, a very good question. And, and look, I think I think it's important in, in many ways for us to um, keep in mind that that the sense of, if not maybe urgency of magnitude about this. And, and there are significant differences, I want to be clear, on, on, on the, in terms of the flu vaccine versus COVID vaccine, including, uh, you know, the, the administration, the double dosing, uh, and the need for this to be really of the first time on such a massive scale. Um, so I think those are important distinctions to recall. My, my point in, in making the analogy was that there is already an infrastructure of relationships um, that reconnect the frontline um, uh, healthcare providers to the front-end manufacturers that uh, we made the very strong case in the early phases of COVID-19 that uh, would needed to be continued to be leveraged and taken advantage of, and, and that's what we've seen happen uh, the federal government has made a decision for phase one, as an example, uh, to use a centralized distribution role uh, with one of our leading members. Uh, and we anticipate as additional phases of the vaccine uh, come online and we move from phase one to phase two and beyond, uh, that ultimately state public health departments will be looking to uh, the entire pharmaceutical distribution industry as they come into possession of more doses to make sure that those get transferred and, and transported to all the administration sites, uh, which, again, will vary on a state-by-state basis. So those open lines of communication in your question, Daryl, are going to be uh, even more important moving forward uh, than they've already been uh, over the last several months. And when we're talking about putting an end to the COVID-19 global pandemic, the vaccine is probably the most significant uh, piece of that puzzle. And it looks like we are getting closer to having that uh, piece available. But my question to you is, you're the expert on the logistics and getting this thing out to everybody. How long will it be until folks like myself or you or folks who are non-essential healthcare providers and we're not, you know, considered uh, to be vulnerable or that sort of thing? When does when does John and Jane Doe get their shot at the vaccine? Yeah, it's you know, as I understand it, and we, we obviously are taking many of our cues the same way you are and everyone else is from the federal government and from the state government. Um, vaccine distribution and administration plan, uh, I think it's an evolving process. You know, there are estimates that, uh, that put you know, the increase of um, uh, dose availability into um, the early phase, part of 2021. There's many other views that it would, uh, the second quarter, um, you hear timeframes of, of, of May and potentially June uh, with a real kind of goal, if you will, aspirational goal of uh, the second half of next year uh, if not returning to normal, returning to whatever the new normal will look like from a societal and economic perspective. So I think we'll learn a lot more um, in the coming days and weeks. 
as the first tranche of vaccines are, are approved and then made available and administered. But I think it'll be really important uh, for your listeners in the state of Florida to pay close attention to the state's uh, plan that has been submitted and to stay in, in close contact and communication with everybody from the governor's office to the state public health department, because I'm sure they will be continuing to reinforce the guidance that they've already provided. And if there are any updates to that guidance, you know, based upon how things are operating in the state of Florida, I'm sure it'll be the first one to communicate that. And in your opinion, being an expert on the, the distribution of all this stuff, can you ballpark it within a quarter? Again, I think it's hard to, to say right now, other than I would say I think the commitment is there. Um, once you have prioritized the safety and efficacy, to do it in as expeditious a manner as possible. So, and I think if you need evidence of that, you know, you can see the advanced manufacturing that companies like Pfizer and Moderna have already been doing as they have been getting the readouts from the clinical trials. And as we all know, we've heard they've had incredible efficacy rates in those trials uh, that they were committed to making sure that they just uh, were, were ready to move uh, you know, and, and begin the, the distribution of those vaccines and those doses upon the approval by the FDA, which which now looks uh, potentially to be imminent. Obviously, we still have these important advisory committees uh, that have to take place today and a week from today for Pfizer and Moderna, respectively. But I do think you hear a lot from, you know, public health leaders like Dr. Fauci who have said, you know, look for things to begin to speed up sometime maybe perhaps mid to late first quarter and certainly into the second quarter of 2021. So the question all of us must ask ourselves is, am I going to take the vaccine? And for me personally, the answer is maybe. I mean, we, you know, we compared this to the flu vaccine. I personally have never gotten the flu vaccine. Uh, It seems like it's about 40% effective every year. And to me, those odds just aren't worth putting something in my body that I don't necessarily need. That being said, if I had a compromised immune system, if I had underlying health factors, uh, maybe, you know, a heart condition or a respiratory condition uh, that would make something like pneumonia uh, much more dangerous for me, then I wouldn't even think twice about it. I would get the vaccine. So uh, while I may not get the COVID-19 vaccine, it's not because I'm an anti-vaxxer. My kids are vaccinated for everything that they should be vaccinated for. My kids get flu shots. Uh, they're in school. They have to have that stuff. But uh, I just want to make sure to, to clarify that I'm not against vaccines. I just don't know if I personally will be getting the COVID-19 vaccine. That being said, we're still months away from the end of this thing. It could get far worse, especially as the holidays approach and the weather gets colder and folks are uh, forced inside. Uh, we could see this thing get even worse. But I take some solace in the fact that there are people like Chip and the drug makers and the doctors and folks who are brave enough to do the clinical trials. There are a lot of people uh, working in this unprecedented effort to get a vaccine to you and me. And I wish them all the luck in the world. It's uh, it's amazing. There will be case studies written uh, years from now on the U.S. effort and the global effort, really, to develop a vaccine in record time. Uh, what remains to be seen, though, Will there be any long-term side effects? Uh, We've already seen in just the last week, there's been a warning about folks with uh, strong allergies that maybe they should not get the vaccine. So, I mean, for me, for my personal health, I just, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot I don't know. So I'm going to probably stand pat and just wait. But as for my kids, 
They'll be getting the vaccine uh, as soon as it's available to them. Same thing with my mother. My mother's 65. She's had a stroke in the past. She still smokes. She's a high-risk patient. I want her vaccinated for this virus. I have an older half-sister. She's 60, diabetic with rheumatoid arthritis. I want her vaccinated. As for me, though, I'm in fairly good health. I'm going to let it ride unless things get really bad really fast, in which case... I'll be rolling up my sleeve and getting the vaccination just like the rest of you.